Welcome to Women Who Sarcast. I'm Kathy Barron. My guest, Sarah Williams, is the host of two-time award-winning Tough Girl podcast. She started Tough Girl Challenges in 2014 as a way to motivating and inspiring women and girls. Sarah has hiked over 2,000 miles of the Appalachian Trail, cycled from Vancouver, B.C. to Cabo San Lucas via the Pacific Coast Highway, and recently hiked the Lycian Way in Turkey and the Overland Track in Tasmania. You can find Sarah at toughgirlchallenges.com and on social media at toughgirlchallenges. Welcome, Sarah, and congratulations on your most recent challenges. It's truly an honor and a privilege to have you on the show. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here. Can't wait to chat with you. So tell me how Tough Girl Challenges came about. So I'll give you a little bit of the backstory because I was very, very normal and I followed the crowd. So I left school, I took a gap year, I went to university, I graduated with a 2-1 degree in business, all my friends were moving down to London and I thought, you know what, I should move down to London, that's what everyone else is doing. Move down to London, get a graduate job, I started working in banking, thought, yeah, this is, I work in finance, this is what I want, lots of money, amazing. And, and that was my life for about um, eight years. And um, I never realized it at the time, but I don't think I'd ever actually made like a conscious choice in my life. I probably spent more time thinking where am I going to go on holiday than actually what I wanted to spend you know, my, the majority of my time doing. So I got to I got to 32 and I was living in London and everybody around me would be like, oh, so, you know, she, everyone would think that I was such a success. I worked for a big global bank. I, you know, I had lots of disposable income coming in. I had a very, very nice lifestyle. You know, there was really nothing to complain about. But unfortunately, like, you know, deep down inside, I was actually incredibly unhappy. And I felt like I was having to wear this mask at work. It, it wasn't who who I was as a person. And I'd been promoted the year before and I was starting to think this was going to, so that was in 2012, going into 2013. You know, when you get promoted, you start to have to gear up, right, how do I get to the next level? What's the next plan that I need to put in place? What do I need to achieve? How can I be outstanding? You know, all of that sort of stuff. And I just couldn't do it. I was just like, this cannot be my life. Like, and I was physically gray. I was tired, gray. I mean, I don't think I was necessarily burnt out. But I was definitely getting there where I was just not in a great place. And I was very, very, um, I think, unhappy, really, with, with the choices that I'd made up to that point. So, you know, fortunately, I did have savings. So I ended up taking, you know, a gap year or, you know, a career break as such. And this was the time when I finally started to think, hold on, what do I want to do? So I ended up going traveling. I've got family in Australia. So I spent some time over there. Me and my sister went to go and climb Kilimanjaro in Africa. Um, I headed over to South America and I did some solo travel there. So I flew into um, I flew into Peru and traveled through and saw like Machu Picchu, headed over to Bolivia, cycled down Death Road and traveled by these coaches for about 24 hours at a time. And I finally got thinking time and I finally got to think, well, hold on. How do you want to spend your time? What are you passionate about? What are you what are you interested in? And for me, it was adventure. It was travel. It was challenging myself. I loved being uh, physical. I loved being active. But on the other side of the coin, it was also about motivating, inspiring other women and other girls. It's something that I'd noticed a lot working in banking. It's very sort of sexist, very male-dominated industry. And right. I wanted to 
encourage other women and girls to, you know, to dream big on adventures and to take big physical challenges. And I ended up combining it all together. And initially, when I started Tough Girl Challenges in, in 2014, you know, it took me six months to, you know, build the website. And I thought, I'll start a blog and everyone will read my blog and it's going to be amazing and be life-changing. And, you know, I don't think anyone read my blog. I'd love to even say that my mum read my blog, but she didn't because she's not great on technology. But um, you know, it didn't really, nothing really started to gel at that point. And I'd also, you know, I've moved, I've moved back home with my parents. So now I'm like 33, living with my parents again. It was almost like right. I, was going, I was going backwards. And um, I, had a good, I had a good friend who said, well, why don't you start a podcast? And my first thought was, I'm rubbish at technology. You know, how, how, do I, how am I going to interview people? Like, what do I say? How do I do this? And eventually, you know, I, I faced the fear and I started the Tough Girl podcast on the 4th of August on 2015 uh, and, used, and used it as a vehicle, basically, to interview incredible women of all ages or backgrounds to share their stories about adventure and, and challenges. And, you know, initially I you know, I think got like three downloads and, you know, carried on producing episodes and got to 10 and then a hundred and then a thousand. And it took me six months to get like 25,000 downloads, um, a year to get a hundred thousand downloads. And then, you know, four years later, we actually, we hit 1 million downloads and were listened to in 174 countries around the world. And, but I mean, the numbers are, are fantastic. And obviously I'm incredibly proud of that. Well, what I'm more proud of is the women who listen to the Tough Girl podcast, who, who have made decisions in their life to think, okay, hold on, if she can do it, what can I do? So I've had women write to me saying, they've, you know, these are the scary ones, like, oh, I've quit my job and I've decided to do X around the world. I have other people saying, um, you know, I went and did that 5K or you really helped me to come out of my shell. You, you know, you really helped me with these various um, challenge, personal challenges that they have in their life. And, and for me, it is about increasing the amount of female role models in the media because, instead of instead of complaining about the lack of female role models by me producing the podcast I can actually get these women's get their voices out there in the world and I think that's how you start positive change because there are more women they'll listen they'll be inspired they'll go out and do something they'll then encourage their friends and their family and that's how that positive ripple effect um, happens basically absolutely and I think it's um, awesome that you have such a following and that you are inspiring and encouraging women and girls to just do it. And, you know, it's hard to make that decision. Um, you know, even though your family's supportive, there's always that fear of what if I fail or what if I, this doesn't work or what if this really isn't what I want? I think people are, are scared to even try something new Yeah, because of that fear of failure or what if it doesn't work or what if this really isn't what I want I just wasted you know six months to a year trying to figure that out yeah and and I'd also say as well from a fight from a financial point of view because you know so my dad's an accountant so he was constantly asking me but you know how are you going to make money and initially at the start I was like it's not about the money it's about it's about the mission (laughs) you know it's about it's about the women and the role models and then after a while I you know because obviously I'd come come almost like a full spectrum from, from earning decent money to suddenly doing following my passion and following you know my, my dreams and you know spending two years getting into debt producing the content but that you know luckily I've, I was in a very privileged position so that actually you know I continue to live with my parents I don't pay rent um, but that is I think a big part of it you know the other thing that I should say as well is you know I'm not married. I don't have any dependents. You know, I don't have any debt. So I'm in that very fortunate position that I could try something new 
at 32 Mm -hmm. whereas I know a lot of women maybe aren't in that same position and they will face other other challenges which maybe I didn't have to to take on so right but I also think that you encourage I mean people don't have to go all out and quit their job and you know become financially in debt to do what they want to do whether it's a marathon or hike a mountain or whatever they can still do it in little pieces. They can still have their family, their kids. They don't have to get divorced or, you know, dump their kids somewhere. You know, they can still do these challenges that they've always wanted to do. It's just the little things that they can do to make that happen and still have a, a, a life. Absolutely. I think it's interesting. I think sometimes it's so easy. You know, when somebody says, oh, you know, I want to go and run a marathon or I want to go and cycle around the world sometimes what pops into their head is head is every single reason why they can't do something and sometimes you've got you've got to flip that switch and instead of thinking well actually why can't I do this you've got to start thinking of every reason why you can do it or how you can make this happen what are the steps you need to take how can you break it down how can you fit it in and that's one of the things that I do when I'm speaking to my guests it's it's all about getting that those practical pieces of, of advice so you know I spoke to a lady called Anne Daniels who um she, she actually did go through a divorce in her 30s and she was pregnant with triplets and she actually ended up going off to like uh on a polar expedition um out in the north pole and it's hearing stories like that where you're like oh my god that's absolutely incredible you know also i spoke to um you know another lady um called ursula martin who's a currently uh, one woman walks europe and she's always worked, you know, minimum wage job. She's she's never paid taxes. And she's, you know, currently walking across Europe and making this dream happen. So there are ways, there are means. Um, and as you said, it doesn't always have to be these extremely big, massive challenges. It could just be going to the local 5K run. It could be signing up for that half marathon. But I think taking that action is so important. And, and that's what you've got to do. So who was your female role model growing up? Do you know what's really interesting? When I think about it, I, I think I struggle to have female role models because I never knew that there were women like this out there when I was younger. Like because they went, you know, when I was growing up, so I was born in um in the in the eighties, eighties child. I never saw women on, on TV playing sports, you know, apart from maybe when the tennis was on or when the Olympics was on, but I never saw women playing football, I never saw women playing soccer. Um you know, or, or rugby or, you know, hockey or netball or anything like that, because it just wasn't televised. And I, and I think now when I look back, I think I'm so excited for those young girls growing up now who have incredible role models in the media, especially like, you know, in, in sports and, and adventure. So it's one that I, that I actually struggle with. Now I've got hundreds, you know, I've got so, I've got so right. many you know, amazing, amazing female role models who, yeah. who, who do just inspire me. I mean, one of my, one of my personal favorites is a lady called Ros Savage. And when she was 36, she left her corporate job and she made a drastic change in her life. And she ended up becoming the first woman to row um, solo across all of the oceans. So she rode across the Atlantic, the Pacific and the Indian. And I think that really gave me hope because she was older than I was at the time. And I thought, oh, so I've almost got like, I've got four years on her. So I've got, you know, time to go out and, and achieve um, and achieve, you know, not what she's done, but to achieve with Tough Girl Challenges. So how do you choose the challenges you embark on? Is there a criteria, whether it's historical or location or difficulty? Yeah, a whole range of things. So initially when I started, I thought, you know, I needed 
a, a big challenge to launch Tough Girl Challenges because I, I go into like a lot of girls' schools and talk about motivation and inspiration and you know, challenging yourself. And I can't just be talking about it. I've actually got to go out there and do it and, and get outside my comfort zone. So initially, one of the, the, the craziest challenges that I ever heard about was something called the Marathon de Saabs, which is when you run six marathons in six days across the Sahara Desert, carrying everything you need on your back. And I, I'd run wow. a marathon. I know <laughs> it's pretty crazy. It's just a day in the park. <laughs> it's just a day in the park. But you know, I'd I'd run marathons before. I'd run the London Marathon five times before. So running a marathon was in my comfort zone. But then the thought of uh, running fifty-two miles in a day, the thought of running across a desert, the thought of running in temperatures, you know, insanely hot temperatures, the thought of having to carry everything in my back, it got me in my pit of my stomach. I had those those nerves. I had that doubt. You know, can I do this? Am I fit enough? Am I strong enough? You know. And, um, and it scared me so much. I thought, well, this is a challenge that I need to do. So, so I ended up doing the, the Marathon de Saves as like sort of my, my launch challenge as such, which I did in 2016. And I possibly trained for about 18 months for that. I had a, had a few health issues um, uh, during that time and had to postpone it from 2015 to 2016. And I spent all this time getting super fit and training. And I did the race and I got that medal, you know, across the Sahara Desert. And I got this medal put over my neck. And I felt joy and this intense happiness and pride and satisfaction. And it probably lasted about 10 to 15 seconds before my brain switched and said, right, what's next? And, and that gave me some time to pause and to think and think, hold on. It's not about just the goal and the end point and getting a medal or climbing the mountain. It's actually about the full journey that you go on. And, um, you know, a week, it, it sounds like a long time, but to be honest, it was over so quickly. And so that's why for my next challenge, I wanted something which was going to be longer. <laughs> and um, I'd heard about the Appalachian Trail over in America, which starts at Springer Mountain in Georgia and, and runs all the way up through 14 states up to Mount Katahdin in Maine. And it's 2,200 miles. And, and most people take five to six months to do this as a through hike. And at that point in time, I, I would not have been able to take five or six months off. And then I came across this guy who'd done it in 100 days. And you know, something just clicks. And I was just like, oh, hold on. Well, if he can do it in 100 days, well, I can do it in 100 days. I was possibly a little bit naive. And so, right. <laughs> and that's sort of how it ended up um, you know, progressing. And, and I ended up flying out to, um, to Atlanta and starting the trail on the 3rd of June. And I needed to average 22 miles per day. I decided to vlog the whole challenge because I wanted to show people it's not always sunshine and roses. It's not always beautiful scenery. You're not always looking glamorous. So I wanted to show them the behind the scenes. I wanted to show them what it's like when you're waking up and you're cold and your socks are wet and your feet are wet and you're covered in mud and you haven't showered for nine days and you've run out of food and there's a snake in the path and there's a bear in the woods and, you know, how do you deal with the mice? And, you know, to show them the real side of adventures, not the glamorous side, the, the dirt, basically. And, right. um, and so I filmed it and I vlogged it and, you know, I, and I shared that journey with, um, you, know, you know, with, with my followers and obviously, you know, I learned a huge amount from, from that experience. I mean, one of the key things I learned was, um, was about feeling like a failure because every single day I was behind on the miles. Like I couldn't, so when I started, I couldn't do 22 miles a day to start with. I was starting with 15. So by day one, I was already seven miles behind. By day two, 14 miles behind, 21 miles behind. And 
by day 50, I'd walked a thousand miles in 50 days and I'd lost maybe like 12 pounds of stone in weight. And I still had a further 1,200 miles to go in 50 days. And I was getting weaker and I had more the white mountains coming up, which are quite notorious and quite challenging. And it was only, you know, it was touch and go whether I was going to make it. And I think that was such a valuable lesson, um, you know, to understand those feelings that, you know, you're not a failure. The fact is you showed up every single day, even when you didn't want to. You know, when I didn't want to get out of my tent, I got out of my tent, I put the miles in, I put the effort in, and I did achieve my goal. And um, that's been, you know, obviously incredibly powerful. And then with a lot of my other challenges that I've done, it does come down to, um, comes down well money's always um you know always important uh making sure that it is cheap <laughs> the the second one is uh, you know the time of the year what's the best time of the year to do it how easy is it to get there how does it fit in um with other plans so um after I finished the Appalachian Trail I came back to the UK and actually went back to university to do my master's in women and gender studies which I started in October of 2017 and that didn't finish until August 2018 so after August 2018 I knew that I was going to be free and um, my brother lives in Australia so I had this basically you know September October November and then December so I had roughly like four months where could I do where could I go um physically I was quite um I was wasn't in the best place because the Appalachian Trail had really sort of destroyed my body <laughs> if you see oh, some yeah, of the, yeah. yeah if you see some of the end videos you'll see um I had I lost like all my body fat I was muscle wasted it was you know it was not an attractive sight but I was I was incredibly weak and like I'd lost you know like my glutes weren't working my knees were turning in so um the thought of hiking again just basically didn't appeal. So I thought, well, let's do a cycle challenge. So I hadn't cycled since I was 13. So why not fly off to Vancouver, find a secondhand bike, cycle down the Pacific Coast Highway and, and document um, you know, document that journey to show other people that you can do other things which are outside of your outside of your comfort zone. So you mentioned the Appalachian Trail and all the the things that you came up against. Was there ever a time that you were like, okay, I'm done, I can't do this, I can't go any further? No, never, never. Like there were times where I was frustrated and upset and tired and very emotional. Like I think when you're when you when your body gets physically run down as as much as my body did, like you you, you can't even like control your emotions. I mean, there's this great video, it's like day ninety seven, where it's you know it's peeing with rain and I'm sat outside and I'm cold and I'm just eating this you know a Snickers bar probably because I ate a lot of Snickers bars. And sometimes you just have to laugh at it. But I would I would never quit. I would never stop. The only thing which would have stopped me would have been if I got badly injured, you know, if I broke my leg or something like that. I, I'd even rationalize, you know, if I broke my arm, I'd still be able to carry on. So it was more like <laughs> if I you know, if I injured my leg, that would that would be the issue. But I, right. I I never wanted to quit, but I always wanted to finish. And I knew I would finish and I would complete the trail. The challenge would be whether or not I would complete it in the hundred days. That, that by the way, that I personally set myself. No one else. No one else right. was putting was putting time pressure on me. This was all. This was all about that personal challenge. And and equally, I knew that I would be able to walk the Appalachian Trail in five or six months. That wouldn't be that that big a physical challenge for me to do like you know 10 miles a day 12 miles a day but to ramp that up to be doing 22 miles a day every day for you know 100 days that just took it to the next level and really Mm -hmm. it did 
really was that challenge in, t- in Tough Girl Challenges. So as far as fear, um, how do you handle it while on the challenge, like with the Appalachian Trail? Like how do you, does fear come up for you or is it just um, that you're going to finish the challenge and there's no question about it? Um, fear, fear does come up for me. I mean, there was, I had a, a few like quite sketchy situations, I'd say. I mean, and uh, so let, I'll describe a situation then. It's sort of almost like how I handled it. So I was in the White Mountains and um, I've been doing like, I've been up to like 23 miles a day and I was 24 miles a day and I was starting to really bash out the miles at this point. And I thought I could go further than I could because in the, in the White Mountains, the elevation gain and loss is just, is, is a huge amount. So therefore, it's, it's a lot harder to get the miles in. And I remember it was starting to get dark and I was basically on the top of the White Mountains and the fog was rolling in. And you have on the Appalachian Trail, you have these white blazes on the trees or on the rocks um, leading the way, showing you the way that you need to go along the path. I wasn't carrying a compass. I didn't have a map. And uh, the fog was starting to come in and it was getting dark. And I was you know, very exposed out there. And I was just thinking, oh, my God, if I get lost up here, this this is it. Like, I've really got to to stay focused on this. And the one the thing with fear is that it can overwhelm you and it can make you panic. And when you start panicking, it can affect things like your breathing, it can affect your breath, and it can also affect your decision-making skills. And I've been very, very aware of that. So one of the first things that I do if I'm ever feeling fearful is I stop and I take a couple of deep breaths and get the oxygen in my head. And I will be saying to myself, right, calm, focus, couple of deep breaths, let's assess the situation. Where am I now? What do I need to do? What is the next step I need to take? And this isn't about planning how I'm going to get to the end. This is about just the next step I need to take. So in that situation, it was right. Let's stay calm. The next thing that I need to do to keep myself safe is to keep moving, is to find the next blaze. I find the next blaze. I walk to the blaze. I keep focus. I look for the next one. And I break it down into such small, small steps. And I keep focused on the present. And I don't let the other thoughts come in. The other thoughts are not allowed in my head. All the other, you know, the scary things out there, all the things that I'm fearful of, all I'm doing is narrowing my focus to the blaze, the next 10 steps, to the blaze, next 10 steps, until I got to um, to the accommodation, to the, you know, they have these cabins um, out there um, in in the woods. And then then sometimes I'm, I'm a little bit like, oh, I might have a good cry. You know, let 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 the emotions out. Right. But you've yeah. got to remember, fear fear is a good thing to have. It's not all bad to be fearful because it will remind you um, about how what you need to do in order to stay alive. It's making you think. Hold on, what gear do I have? Have I have I planned for everything? You know, what what do I need to do? So so fear shouldn't be looked at in a negative way. It's just about managing it in an appropriate way for the situation that you're in. That's great. That's great advice. And I think we can all use that just on a daily basis uh, (laughs) with everything going on around our lives. So as far as preparing for challenges, what is your process? Oh, wow. I love research. So (laughs) um, I think it's really important to, to, yeah, to enjoy like the research of it. So one of the first things I do is I go to Pinterest and I pin loads of stuff. So depending on what I'm thinking of doing, I'll, I'll find whether it's maps or blogs or vlogs, um, watch, you know, look through them all. And on my research, you know, I'll figure out how do I get there? What's the length of the challenge? How can I get away from it? Uh, And once I've sort of broken that down, there's a couple of, uh, actually, this is a really great practical thing. 
So on the Appalachian Trail, one of the things um, that I did was I created something called a what if. And it's really, really simple to do. But you get a piece of paper, you draw a line right down the center, and you can do this for anything. And on the left hand side, you write down every single thing, every what if that you can think about. What if I see bears? What if I lose my water? What if I injure myself? What if I um, get lost? What if I, what if I, what if I, you know, anything you can think about or anything that other people say to you. And you could do the same thing if you're making a change in your career. You know, what if I lose my job? What if I can't find another job? What if this happens? What if X, Y, and Z? And then when you're at home in a nice, comfortable, safe environment, you sit down and you write the answers out on the right-hand side of the page. So you go through, you know, what if I run out of water? Okay, well, I'll make sure that I'm carrying X amount of water with me. I can ask other people for water. I can keep, I can figure out where the next water source and gets the water source. I know that I can survive for um, the three days, I think it is, um, without water. Um, you know, so to manage it, because, and I'm not saying that you can manage every single situation, but I'm saying that you can run through all the different scenarios in your head so that when you do come across something like this, you're, your brain's already run through that process and like, oh, okay, you've seen a snake, right, you know what to do, you've seen a bear, okay, let's make some noise, let's walk backwards, let's not, you know, go and pat the bear or pick up the ba baby bear cub, you know how to behave, you know what's appropriate um, to do. So doing that what if exercise is, is massively, massively helpful. Um, in terms of the other sort of planning and preparation, I do like doing to-do lists. So I have big to-do lists of everything that I need to achieve by certain dates. Um, I will create gear lists, so I'll know how much gear I have, what gear I need to buy. I'll find out the cost of my gear. And because I don't have, um, I'm on a very tight budget and don't have a lot of money, then normally I'll figure out like, okay, well, when can I pay for this item? What do I need to pay for first? What's the most important thing? Once you've got the dates booked in the diary and you've got your how to get there and how to get away, everything else um, just sort of fits in. I mean, another aspect of a lot of the challenges that I do is they're very physical challenges. I do a lot of physical training as well. So I do a lot of strength and conditioning. I take that aspect obviously very, very seriously so that when I arrive at the start line of any challenge, I'm as fit as I can possibly be, as healthy as I can possibly ready be and ready to face, um, ready, yeah, ready to face a challenge and to give it my all. So do you have that one tool or that one piece of gear that you always have to have with you no matter what challenge you're doing? Oh my god, I've got so many of them. <laughs> um, I've got you know, I've got this brilliant thing um, and I got it on Amazon and it costs like like $2, like £1.60, $2. And it's basically this sort of square pad um, it's not big. It's probably uh, probably the size of like a big cushion. And it folds up and it's super lightweight. It doesn't weigh anything. But this it's like you sit on it and you can put your knees on it. I can wrap my laptop in it. And it has to be one of my favorite pieces of gear. I also mm -hmm. do, I do love my GoPro as well because, you know, I film my challenges and it's just super lightweight, super easy to film, little clips. Um, so that definitely comes with me. I'm addicted to my phone. I bring my phone on all, all of my challenges. Um, you know, have the GPS through there as well, obviously taking photos and everything else. Um, yeah, there's, there's so many bits of kit. <laughs> this, that's, a, that's a whole other podcast talking about yeah. gear. <laughs> exactly. I'm a gearhead too as far as technology and uh, having the right, you know, I have a GoPro as well and having all the right stuff to do your thing. Um, so do you have a favorite challenge to date? Oh, that's such a good question. I, 
I mean, I think the Appalachian Trail is is probably going to always be up there. And I think it's because from what I learned from that experience, with Marathon de Sables, it was I drew a line in the sand after I completed that challenge. That was like the beginning of my new life. It was like, I'm no longer a banker. I'm no longer working in the corporate sector. I'm going to make Tough Girl Challenges work. I'm going to make it a financially viable business. I can you know live and travel anywhere in the world. Um, and that was drawing the line in the sand there. But after completing the Appalachian Trail, I actually felt as though I didn't have anything to prove anymore. And it re- I, I'm very, I am a very co- confident person. I do have a lot of self-confidence as well. Um, but that came more previously from my previous job and the status that I got with it. Whereas I didn't have any status in like the adventuring world and completing, you know, so, you know, by that point, I would run like five marathons and I've done the Marathon de Sars, but but that was it. Whereas actually by completing the Appalachian Trail, I think I sort of proved to myself, well, hold on, Sarah. You can do big physical challenges. You deserve to be in this in this industry. You you can do it, and, and I think that was um, I think that's always stuck with me. And I, and I learned so many lessons, and especially just showing up, even when you don't want to, knows that I know that I'll be able to get to the finish line. And you know, the Pacific Coast Highway, we know, was an amazing experience, um, but you know, very very different cycling, and it, what there was no time pressure on that. I mean, yes, I had to get cycle down from Mexico. But I had so much time to do that; it wasn't really a time pressure. And you know, some of the other challenges that I've done have been more, um, probably just more more relaxed. And it's been for me now; it's more about the journey. It's it's not about sort of destroying my body physically because I just don't want to do that anymore. I'm very conscious of of wanting to enjoy the journey, but but still end the challenge, you know, fit and strong and healthy. Um, so yeah, so pro- probably the eighty. So do you feel that the AT was the most difficult as well? Or is there another challenge that you felt was more difficult? Uh, the Appalachian Trail was the most difficult purely because of the duration. Um, you know, three months, over three months doing this every single day. Um, I did the, the Lycian Way over in Turkey. And that, in terms of the physicality of hiking, that was really brutal. That was, you know, very, very full-on heavy packs. Um, but yeah, it probably would be the Appalachian Trail. Um, again, you know, I did the Overland Track in Tasmania, and you know that was actually that was lovely. It was like eighty kilometers. Um, it was done. I did it over like eight days. You know, it's one track. You can't get lost through a national park. There's huts that you can stay in. You know, every single day. Um, so it wasn't. Again, it wasn't as as physical um, as the Appalachian Trail. But obviously, this is all. I don't. I don't want to get into comparison now because I know people out there will be thinking, oh, the overland track, it's, it's a brutal, you know, for, for a hike. And I'm like, oh, it was just, you know, <laughs> a nice couple of days, <laughs> couple of days walk in the park. I mean, that's actually <laughs> the, the, the comparison thing is one thing that I really push on the Tough Girl podcast, which, you know, one of my only rules that I have is it's not about comparison. Do not compare yourself with anybody else or what they are doing because everybody is, everybody is different. And, you know, some days getting out of bed and brushing your teeth is a huge, huge achievement. Um, you know, equally I've spoken to women who've, you know, done train floor, train for a half marathon, train for a marathon, to women who are running five hundred miles, you know, it's it's crazy. Um, and you just can't compare yourself to to anyone else and what they're doing. Yeah, I think it's really easy for women to compare themselves to others. Um, and I think women even compare themselves to men, and I don't think that's a, co- a fair comparison either. Yeah. Um, and, and we do just need to focus on ourselves and what 
our goals are and what we want to challenge ourselves to do. And I noticed that with the uh, Lyceum Way, you weren't solo on that challenge. Is there, I mean, obviously there's the obvious difference that, you know, one, you have just yourself and the other you're with someone, but what are some distinct differences when you're doing a solo challenge compared to doing it with someone else? I think the main thing is that on solo challenges, you can just be so selfish because you get to decide everything. You don't need to take other people's, you know, thoughts, opinions into, into, into account. Um, and it, it's, you get a lot of peace and a lot of quiet, or I certainly do. And, and a lot of time for like deep thinking, like really deep thinking and just time away from everyone and everything. And it can be quite like a, quite a spiritual thing to, to get away and to have that free time. Um, with, um, when you're doing a challenge with somebody else that, you know, obviously a di- different set of different set of challenges but there's also a lot of joy in it as well when you can share an experience with somebody and you can talk about your adventures and your challenges so I went with a girl called um called Kat who's you know she's through hike the Pacific Crest Trail and um you know done walks all over the world she she grew up in Melbourne and I spent a lot of time in Melbourne and she's hiked over in um over in Japan and so it's an amazing bonding experience and the other thing which is really really nice is you know sometimes when you are solo Every decision you make is on you. So you're almost like constantly on. When you're with somebody else, you can just relax a little bit more because there's somebody else to discuss with, oh, you know, what do you think about this campsite? So that can make life like a lot, a lot easier as well. But I think there's a time and a place for all these types of challenges. So whether it's a solo challenge, you know, if you've never done a solo challenge before or going out by yourself, it can be an incredibly sort of scary thing for a lot of women to do um it'll take them massively outside their comfort zone so maybe the best thing to start out with is to actually do it with a group or to do it with another friend who's maybe got a little bit more experience and then build up to to going on a solo challenge but women shouldn't be fearful they shouldn't be afraid of doing things by themselves it's incredibly um empowering and that doesn't by the way that doesn't even mean that it's got to be a physical challenge that you've got to do you know one of the, one of my top tips is can you go to the cinema by yourself because if you, you know, I know it sounds so simple, but I know loads of women who, who miss out on going to the movies because they don't have anyone to go with. And my mm-hmm. thought has always been, if you want to go and watch a movie and you don't have anyone to go with, go and watch the movie. If you want to eat at a restaurant and no, you know, you, maybe you don't have any friends there where you are or, you know, no one wants to eat at that particular restaurant where you do, don't miss out on that experience and that opportunity because you've got no one to do it with. Go and do it yourself. It is so empowering. You'll get used to it. And then before long, you'll probably be traveling by yourself, going on holiday by yourself and just embracing life and everything that it has to offer. Absolutely. I went on a two-week uh, road trip by myself to Vancouver, Canada and Tofino. How was that? That sounds amazing. That was, that was awesome. That was like the best vacation I've ever had. And yeah, it was a bit scary because I've never gone on a vacation by myself. And, you know, Canada isn't necessarily in another country as far as I'm concerned, because it's just like, you know, crossing to another state. It took me a couple of days to kind of, you know, get into the groove and settle in. And it was great. It was like the, the best time. I met some amazing people, had some amazing food. Tofino is just gorgeous. I never had a bad experience during that two weeks. Definitely taking that first step is the hardest. But once you do that, it's like smooth sailing. The one thing I did notice by myself is you, like you said, you have to make decisions on your own. You kind of have to be aware of your environment all the time. And 
realize that, you know, if you get into a situation, if something should happen, how are you going to get yourself out? Because it is just you. So that took me, you know, a minute to kind of get used to, but I would highly recommend people do that at least once in their life, just to kind of feel that sense of freedom. Absolutely, completely agree. And also, you'll end up meeting so many incredible people it will be life-changing and, and I think that's one of the brilliant ways about building you know self-confidence and you build self-confidence by going out and doing because once you've done it once you, you learn from that and then you'll go out again and then you'll learn from it and it builds that that knowledge and that internal belief in yourself to hold on yes I can do that and then that will have knock-on consequences in other areas of your life I, I promise you it will filter into other areas of your life but it is all about taking the action though it's about taking that exactly like you said it's about taking that first step and doing absolutely yeah so what's your next challenge it's quite it's quite an interesting um obviously time time period at the moment and um I, at, the, at the beginning of this year, I had things booked in my diary until basically the end of June. And so I had July, August, September, October, November, December, sort of free, basically. So I've got this six months free. And initially, my ideas go quite big, because I've um, remember I told you um, that I cycled down Pacific Coast Highway. Well, I borrowed a bike. The, sorry, the bike that I bought in Vancouver is now sat with a, in a friend's house 200 miles north of LA because I swapped it out for another bike, which I needed for the Mexico portion of the trip. So I've got a bike over in, in LA. Um, I've got a bike over here in Europe. My, my, you know, my brother lives over in Australia. So I was thinking, do I cycle across America? Do I cycle across Europe? Do I go and do some hiking? And I actually wrote this like massive blog post about, you know, what's the next challenge that I should do? You know, what the, what would people like to see me do? What, should it be go and hike the Tiora Trail over in New Zealand? Should should it be like another cycle challenge? Um, and it was quite interesting because I ended up doing like a public vote. And like, I think the top one was Europe, to cycle Europe. The second most popular one was um, to walk the Tiora Trail. The third most popular one was to swim the English Channel. So um, it, it's, all, it's all quite interesting. So at the moment, I don't actually... Um, have any firm plans in the diary I think it's very much up to just this is this year I think will be very much uh, a, a waiting game just to see what happens and then also I think I'll need to evaluate in a few months time and just think hold on if I if, you know once we can start traveling again where do I want to be and I'll probably want to be closer to home I think just in case you know something else happens and you know just for the maybe until the end of the year until I think really has settled down so I'll probably look at doing more challenges in the UK. Um, and I'm not basically, I'm not, the reason I do a lot of challenges abroad is because I'm not a fan of cold weather. And the UK obviously has, has some of the worst weather, you know, the rain and the cold and the gray skies. And I like, you know, sunshine and deserts and you know, love California and, you know, places like that. So um, the weather normally has a big impact on, um, on where I'll go. But um, no, no big challenges at the moment. But I am looking forward to that point where I can really commit and start the planning and start the preparation but I have been on Pinterest and I have been I've got loads of boards on there you know UK challenges and cycle challenges or ultra challenges and um, yeah I'm just going to wait and see what happens. So how do you pick the women that you interview? Oh do you know what um, I, I generally find a lot of them online Twitter's been an amazing resource for me LinkedIn's been incredible um, and then what I found is after the first two years is I have um, a lot of I reach out to my audience on a regular basis asking them who do they want to hear from and they will send me the details of women who've done 
you know, women who've done incredible challenges, whether that's, um, so I spoke to um, a lady called Gina Johansson recently, who walked 3000 kilometers the length of Norway and did like this solo crossing of Lake Balkal in um, in Siberia. Uh, you know, other women uh, or publishers reach out to me as well. So I heard from a lady called Miriam Lancewood, who wrote a book called Woman in the Wilderness, a story of survival, love and self-discovery. She's based over in New Zealand, but you know, lives in the woods that only comes out every three months or so so it's quite difficult to get an interview um with her and now I actually have um you know a waiting list I've got like a backlog of over 100 plus women who you know I'd love to interview and to share to share their stories and and to get them out there and you know I'll also come across women on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and I'll take screenshots and add them to my to my spreadsheet which gets longer and longer um longer every day but there's no there is just there's no end to the amount of cr- incredible women um, that I can interview, and, and I do. It's not all Olympians, it's not all professional adventurers, it's not all women in their twenties. It's um, it's plus size women, it's um, it's it's older women. I, you know, I've interviewed like a grandmother, a most recent one of the most recent ladies I spoke with there was this amazing woman called Rosie Swale Pope, who's seventy three years young and is currently running from the UK she's now in Turkey um, but she's going to be running to Kathmandu in Nepal so you know all, all ages all backgrounds um, women who've never done adventures before uh, so their first big challenge that they've decided to take on um, I spoke with a lady called Rosie Watson who's currently running from the UK to Mongolia so there's a whole 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 variety sorry I've completely got off on a tangent man <laughs> <laughs> no, that's totally fine. Well, you're definitely going to be kept busy. Your job is not going to come to an end anytime soon as far as the podcast goes. And that's great. And I, I'm sure that those women also keep you motivated and inspired to keep going with your podcast and your own challenges. Oh, absolutely. And this is almost part, I was gonna say, this is part of the problem. And this is very, you know, very first world problem is, you know, every time I, I speak to a woman and hear something that she's doing or done, I'm like, God, that sounds amazing. Let's write that on the list. You know, I spoke to a lady called Laura Try who rode across the Atlantic Ocean. And I was like, that sounds amazing. Let's row an ocean. And then I spoke to uh, another lady uh, called Pip Hare. And, you know, I think she sailed around the world. And I was like, oh my God, that sounds amazing. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? Or to do like the Clipper Yacht Race, I do a leg of the Clipper Yacht Race. So, um, you know, my list of challenges and things that I would like to do just, you know, goes on and on and on. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of amazing stuff to do in this world. Yeah, and that must make it hard to decide as well sometimes as far as all of these things you want to do and trying to decide which ones to do first. Yeah, and I think, and I think it comes down to, to balance because it's something I've actually struggled with a lot is um, I can be very like full on. So, you know, when I do something, I do it like 110%. And I've always sometimes, I'm always somebody who wants to be busy. I want to be productive. I want to be working all the time, achieving, 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 and, you know, getting the most uh, that I out of life as I possibly can. And I think I've come to realize, I don't know if it's just, you know, getting a little bit older, where I'm starting to think, hold on, you don't need to be busy all the time. You don't need to be out doing adventures and challenges all the time. You can just be. It's okay to, you know, to chill and to watch Netflix and to, to not be training for something all the time and just to just to relax a little bit more and just it, it's not about achieving all the time it's not about ticking off goals it is actually it really is actually about the journey and enjoying your life and I think that's one of the things that I love about the, the work that I do is that 
I, I love the process of my job. I love the journey of the job. I love finding these women. I love interviewing them. I love sharing their stories. I love the community that I've that I've built up um, through Tough Girl Challenges. And um, it's there's no end. There's no end destination. There's no um, you know end date. It's just about enjoying the journey every single day. So when I compare now to when I compare my life now to what it used to be like back when I worked in the city when I was you know tired unhappy working 16 hours 16 hours a day and you know on the 15th floor of, of the office in Canary Wharf to now you know working from my bed at home and you know thinking oh you know the flexibility the freedom that I have the happiness and joy that I have in my life I am in- incredibly lucky um, to be doing what I'm doing I'm you know very very uh, privileged to, to be here doing this and you know I'm, I'm very very fortunate. Well, I appreciate you being an inspiration and encouraging us women and girls to just go for it. So what words of wisdom do you have for women and girls who have wanted to do a challenge, but were afraid of failing, of the unknown? Such a good question. Do you know what, do you know what I think it all comes down to is I think it's easy to talk about a lot of things and it's easy to, to have these big dreams and to think about everything. My advice is always got to be it's about starting. And I know it sounds so difficult, but the key thing that you need to do is to break it down into so it is in small, manageable chunks. So depending on what it what it is. So example, if you're wanting to run a marathon, then you know the first your first step is probably just Googling. Literally just Googling where's the closest marathon? What dates are the marathons? When would be okay? So you're gonna need like six months to train or three months to train or a year to train, whatever it may be and then working backwards, but it is about starting. If you can break it down into small manageable chunks and not get overwhelmed, then what you're going to end up doing is you're going to end up building momentum. And then before you know it, you'll be achieving your dreams and your goals, but it is, it's taking that first step. And and the, the annoying thing is I wish I could take that first step for you, but you, you are the only person who can take that first step. You are the one who has to physically start, physically have to do it physically have to take action to make it happen and that has got to come from you and you have just got to start so um start because you know I spent six to nine months flapping about with my website you know not wanting to publish it scared you know what are my what are people going to think of me and she said it doesn't matter what they think of me I know what, what I think of myself um so don't worry about other people's opinions same you know same with the podcast again it took me four or five months you know what are people going to think of me? What if I'm a failure? What if it doesn't work? Again, it doesn't matter because once you start, you're going to get better. You're going to improve and who knows where it will take you. you just got to keep showing up to start. I've said start quite a few times, so hopefully everyone will remember to start. <laughs> Repetition is good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Sarah, for being on Women Who Sarcast. It has been a complete joy and hopefully we can do it again when you know you're back doing challenges and traveling and we can kind of catch up and see where and what you've been doing you can find sarah at toughgirlchallenges.com and on social media at toughgirlchallenges thank you so much sarah thank you so much for having me it's been such a pleasure and i would love to catch up with you once i'm back traveling again i've got some more adventure stories to tell you Great. I'm looking forward to it. And thank you for listening to Women Who Sarcast. Show music provided by Mike Imbassiani. You can find him at mikeimbassiani.com. 